Every year, Americans celebrate the birth of Lord Baby Jesus with the sacred holiday of Christmas, a time of giving, of caring, of kindness and love. Some folks make contributions to their favorite charities. Others stuff a few bucks in the red kettle of their local Salvation Army. And of course, most of us buy gifts for friends and loved ones. That's really what the holiday is about, getting together with loved ones. Maybe snuggling up with a big mug of eggnog in front of a crackling fire in a house decked out in wreaths, blinking lights, candy canes, a nativity, maybe even a mistletoe or two. Did Dad go overboard with the decorations again, or what? He can be such a Griswold. Let's just hope he dons that suit and reads us some soul-warming stories. Hark! Do you hear it? The sound of reindeer hooves on the roof. Carolos at the door. It's hard to make out over the excited chatter of our guests. Everyone's so excited for the big day, ready to rip into presents as the buttery tones of Bing Crosby issue from the hi-fi and the smell of lovingly baked pies and cookies fills the air. Ah, yes, Christmas. Uh, uh, who, who's that? Is that Dad? It's a bit early to be dressed as Santa, isn't it? What's he doing with that chainsaw? No! 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 Welcome to another wonderful episode of Horror Movie Talk. I'm Carl Swan from Terror Detective, and with me this week is the beautiful, the wonderful, the incredibly sexy and always entertaining Bryce Hansen. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're Flattery back. will get you everywhere, Carl. <laughs> well, I mean every word of it. Bryce is still auditioning new co-hosts. I'm but one of them. Uh, but the good news is that the show is going back to their roots and reviewing, believe it or not, horror movies. Uh, new theatrical releases always get priority, and uh, they also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Full video available on YouTube. Don't be a square. Make sure to share. Also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash horror movie talk, the equivalent of the adult section at your video rental store. If you want to add your pee to the community pool, go to horrormovietalk.com or call 682-253-4468 and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a great show today. We will be reviewing Christmas Bloody Christmas. And boy, is it bloody. We'll start out giving a brief review. Maybe not so brief, because I have a tendency to talk a lot. 
<laughs> and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and loathed about the film. Uh, later, we will not be playing another game. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> later, we will end the show. Uh, yeah. Christmas Bloody Christmas can be found on Shudder, AMC Plus, Prime, and all the other usual places where movies get rented. Christmas Bloody Christmas pits off-brand lead character Tori, played by Riley Dandy, against a malfunctioning homicidal robot Santa, manufactured by Uncle Sam. Tori runs a shop next door to a toy store with one of the killer Kris Kringles and mayhem ensues that's the summary folks that's it yeah that's pretty much what what it is and i like that well all right so getting into my review this flick takes the concept of intelligent tech a concept popularized by 80 slashics like maximum overdrive deadly friend chopping mall robocop and terminator and Frankensteins it onto another favorite 80s concept, the Killer Santa. Of course, the gold standard for Killer Santas was set by Charles Sellier's Silent Night, Deadly Night in 1984. But that doesn't stop modern directors from trying to put their own special spin on the axe-wielding punisher of naughty boys and girls. Last year alone, we got three new entries in the category, Violent Night, The Mean One, and Joe Bagos's Christmas Bloody Christmas. I can easily say that Bagos's option is my favorite, not because it's a perfect film, the top half is talk heavy, the lead character is somewhat annoying, and with Bagos aiming for a Rob Zombie aesthetic, lots of neon light and oversaturated primary colors, much of the action is muddy and hard to discern, which is a bummer because there's some pretty good gore in this thing. Heads get stomped, split down the middle, eyes get poked out with the ass end of Santa's axe, and multiple cops get shotgunned in the facial. Uh, this grindhouse gruesomeness isn't helped by the cinematography, but I still appreciate that Bagos shot the film in 16mm, and he also included plenty of gore for his core audience. Uh, there's also lots of references to iconic horror properties, and I like the cast. Riley Dandy delivers an effective final girl with Tori, the smart-mouthed and strong-minded record store owner caught in the middle of robo sand apocalypse, with a bunch of dim-witted men who refuse to listen to her. The exception is Robbie, played by Sam Delick, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, her equally saucy and opinionated employee, whose Xmas wish, though unstated, is to get into Tori's panties. He gets his wish and lasts longer than any of the other dudes because he actually listens to her. And that's largely what this movie is about. Uh, but also, it's a mindless, blood and guts movie about a killer Santa that slices and dices without rhyme or reason. If taken with a big heaping boulder of salt, it can be plenty of fun. Yeah, this this movie, like, it won me over in the end. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of the first act, and mostly because, like, 
yeah like you said it's kind of got that rob zombie aesthetic of like we've got a certain type you know of of people that are you know they're not the brightest they use the the f word as the de facto uh word in every sentence yeah and it's one of those where like i just got tired of them talking i'm like yeah could you just shut the fuck up please just like it's the they're the type of people that i wouldn't really enjoy hanging around just because they would be too uncomfortable with silence yeah and not themselves talking um but they're super believable like that's that's the thing whether whether i'm annoyed with them or not like they are a type and they were strong they were a strong type and it was like they felt like real people and they talked in a in a way that i'm not even sure like if it was actually scripted or not maybe maybe you did researcher on it but it felt like it could have been a lot of ad-libbing um yeah kind totally. of a curb curb kind of thing because the 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 uh, dialogue felt very real um i mean i wouldn't be surprised if that's like joe bagos talking or yeah maybe a friend of his but i'm sure yeah. these are like the kind of people that he either hangs around with frequently or wants to be hanging around with frequently right. you can tell he really loves these characters right yeah yeah so very much like people that, you know, hang around tattoo shops, you know, or like bars or record stores. tattoo shops. Yeah. Record stores. And um, like this is where like my uh, um, my assholeness comes out. I'm like, yes, yes, I am judging people. <laughs> yes, I don't like some types of people. Well, I think they, that's they bother me. <laughs> I think that's like human, right? Like to right. judge is human. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, but the biggest strength of the movie is its aesthetic, which it is very strong and um, is very consistent with, with, which is like very much like creep show lighting, the neon primary colors, like very much a lot of red and green. I mean the the poster like the the branding of it is very consistent from beginning to end. Yeah. As is the the soundtrack which I think is actually really great um and works for it. Um and then like like I said by the end it really wins me over because with that consistency and with like kind of the grindcore grind grindhouse elements of like being really gritty and being like kind of over the top gory at moments like yeah they went for it and they like you know they didn't pull any punches with with those elements um to where like i can forgive them for being kind of annoying or a little um yeah the missteps um, are you know minimal or rather they're acceptable right 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 so yeah i i enjoyed it um i wouldn't say like it's a must-see movie or even a, like a must-see christmas horror movie but it's it's good it's um it's what it is like i feel yeah that's that's why people who like it like it is because it's very simple straightforward you know what you're getting into it doesn't try to be anything but what it is right yeah um so what what score do you give it i mean i think i would give it a six yeah 
Yeah, I think I'm in line with that. I, I was thinking six out of ten too, just because it's slightly better than average, but it gives you what you want, you know, in a like a serviceable way, you know. I mean, to me, six isn't a bad score. Um, everything you just said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, five would have been like it gives you exactly what you want. I think the thing that gives it a six for me is like just the aesthetic. Like, I really loved the visuals the gore and i really loved like the kind of pulsing edm music throughout that's kind of like mixed with i don't even know what genre of metal it would be but kind of like drone core kind of stuff definitely um, drone yeah that's it exactly um so yeah it's it's a strong aesthetic and and uh really fun towards the end like the the last the last act is actually a lot of fun to watch and um Santa's laser eyes too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Well, you are, you're a fan of you know Terminator and RoboCop and etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I like when when movies go for it and like sense of humor. I mean, well, anyway, we don't need to go into mm-hmm. the specifics of what the movie does. We'll do that momentarily. But uh, yeah, if you're listening to these pesky commercials, you don't have to do that. You could just become a patron and support the show like you know you want to. So do it. What are you waiting for? Uh, you could also support the show by going to the Horror Movie Talk shop on the website where there's plenty of delicious fashions waiting for you to buy them. Check out our resident artist, Dustin Gobel, a professional artist who fucks hard. He also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans. So contact him at D Gobel, G O E B E L 00 on Instagram. Tell him HMT sent you. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail at 682 253 4468, and you could hear your own voice on Horror Movie Talk someday. Wee! Dare to dream. <laughs> All right, let's get into spoilers. The flick opens with a series of fake ads. There's the Yuletide malt beverage for the whole family, followed by a slasher where a little boy sees mommy blowing Santa. Then a live concert with Santa, THC cookies called Coon Christmas Cream Pies, and finally Robo Santa Plus, which is a military robot turned into a basically a Santa statue. That can replace mm-hmm. your local degenerate <laughs> mall Santa, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good, like, kind of grind grindcore, uh, not grindcore, grindhouse mm-hmm. opening with, like, the fake. It reminded me of um, Grindhouse with, like, the fake horror ads. Yeah. Did you see that in theaters? Did you see Grindhouse, the double feature, when it came out? I didn't, but I wish that I had because, yeah, I mean... Uh, it would have been amazing yeah that i was, love both of those movies yeah that was an experience like yeah the best part was the the ads the the yeah. the trailers in it God, which they i guess those now things are getting turned into feature-length films yeah so thanksgiving is one of those isn't it yeah did you see the trailer when you went to go see uh it's a Grindhouse? wonderful knife 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, they played it at ours, too. And I'll be honest, like, the trailer was a little bit confusing because um, it plays more like a serious horror movie than a comedy, which it yeah. should be, right? Like, it's very much a comedy. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in seeing it. It's, yeah, me too. It's Eli Roth, so it's gonna, it can be, I don't know, it's kind of hit or miss with him sometimes. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm interested in, in seeing it. We'll probably... I mean, it comes it comes out this next week, so I'll probably see it. But yeah, it is a strong opening. It really establishes kind of the aesthetic of like, let's not take this too seriously. Like this is, it's going to be gross, fun. and yeah, it's all going to be in good fun. So, yeah, starts out in the music store, and then we have Robbie is basically trying to get into her pants, uh, and the way that he does this is, she has a Tinder date planned for the evening and doesn't really know anything about the guy that she's going to be seeing. And I guess Robbie does. So he's like instantly trying to pick apart this guy's faults and talking about how he's like married and has kids and he's a musician and how his music kind of sucks. Personally, if I was Tori and somebody was saying that kind of shit to me, I would just tell them to go fuck themselves. Right. Yeah. And I'm never part of like a scene or aesthetic that very much has like an in group and out group yeah that like they shun the aesthetics of another group and be like he listens to fog hat like fuck that guy so yeah uh they eventually make their way from the store to the neighboring toy store um and this is where santa is finally introduced but he's not you know crazy santa at first he's just kind of like chilling in the front of the mm-hmm. store um, I think he like says a couple of lines, but really it's just uh, Robbie and Tori um, having some shots and doing some lines with their scenester friends. It's not like a whole bunch of action happens in any of these places. Like they mm-hmm. end up at the bar, they end up at the toy store. Yes, there are people there. Yes, some people are happier than others. I mean, there's definitely this theme that like plenty of people are miserable on Christmas. A big part of their conversation is kind of on like favorite christmas songs Hmm. are you partial to anything in particular during this like holiday season my wife is a huge fan of just always you know mainlining christmas music over the radio during the holiday season for me i think my standby favorite is um what's the chestnuts roasting an open fire one it's just a Christmas song or something like that. I can't remember what the title of. It's like a really basic name, but like, yeah, it's just called The Christmas Song. See, that's the same thing with me is I just like the more traditional, like, yeah. I mean, that one's like kind of like melancholy and like you can get different like covers of it that are interesting. I really like James Taylor's cover of it. I, mean, I actually don't have very strong opinions about Christmas songs. I'm like, whatever. How do you, how do you feel about the holiday in general? I love Christmas. Um, I like people to give me things. You know, <laughs> I'm a greedy, greedy person. So as I've established already on this podcast, but the the you know commodification and the getting um, you know mech- metric assload of commercialism shoved into your rectum for yeah like increasingly you know long periods of time. Like it used to be after thanksgiving is when it started and then yeah. it was like eh, maybe a week before thanksgiving now it's like the, the instant after halloween it's like now it's christmas <laughs> we've got another holiday 
the disease of wait? consumerism strikes. Yeah. So there's there's that. Um, I like. I think my favorite thing with like Christmas music is finding the oddities and like it's not like a huge hobby of mine, but like finding just the weird christmas songs that was one of the reasons why i absolutely loved silent, silent night, Deadly night. night yeah i was thinking about that it's a good um, it's a good soundtrack and they did a great job like you know uh replicating the sound and you know feel of a traditional christmas song yeah i think i have a soft spot in my heart for the uh bob dylan must be santa i'm definitely gonna get a uh, youtube ding for this but i i just gotta play like the first couple of seconds I mean, it's it's awful and grating, and I love it. You know. <laughs> All right. So being trained in music doesn't mean that you don't appreciate uh, music that's not necessarily like. <laughs> no, I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm weird with music, and I'm also like, I'm not. I'm I'm actually not that much of a listener of music <laughs> like even with my background like I don't listen to a lot of stuff um mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that I do listen to it's just kind of weird I think we've featured um uh Neil Ciciraga on the podcast several times and like that kind of stuff like the mashups that are just absurd I love that shit I just can't get enough of the just kind of corny um just uh, comedy aspects of it but i mean in terms of like my favorite stuff like i i love radiohead like i'll listen to anything radiohead and good stuff kind of a 90s guy with my like modern taste but so i mean as far as the music that they're discussing in this movie eh, nothing like any of that it's crypt keepers christmas rap mm-hmm. which i am curious to hear now i mean i mm-hmm. do i'm actually wearing a tilt from the crypt shirt right now which mm-hmm. is Christmas themed. You're welcome. Uh, and Buster Poindexter's cover of Zat You Santa Claus. Uh, I know that one. Okay. And apparently yeah. there's a version where Beavis and Butthead comment on it. Sure. Just further proof that, you know, these are people of a very specific ilk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like the first part of the movie is them shooting the shit giving each other shit um like drinking a lot and talking about fucking you know like it's it's very much like a lot of innuendo a lot of like flirting but mostly just kind of aggressively giving each other shit about you know (laughs) their choices Mm -hmm. and dates and whatnot and it's all like for the goal of this guy definitely wants to fuck um the main character do you think she's attractive yeah yeah i think she's attractive okay i mean i don't know i don't know what you're into looks wise i mean she's a she's a pretty girl i'm trying to remember now there's a couple of actresses you've mentioned a few times who are like your dream girls oh yeah i mean there's there's like i can appreciate beautiful women 
Uh, but then there's like otherworldly, and that's like um, Alexander Daddario. Um, you know, Marco Robbie is amazing. That's it. Yeah. Like, have you seen um, Babylon? Yes. It was so good. I don't know yeah. if you liked it, but I thought it was amazing. No, I loved it. Um, yeah, Damien Chazelle. Like, it's one of those things. Like the last, the last couple of years have been like all of my absolute favorite filmmakers um, that are like young and new and are going to like kind of take the torch from, you know, some of the ancient auteurs from the eighties. They all had their third film come out and they all failed. (laughs) Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Damien Chazelle comes out with Babylon, huge, chunk of money thrown at him like yeah that's the other thing they're all like given a blank check to do whatever you want do whatever you want like we believe in you says hollywood they're given a blank check and then all of them fail miserably and like like oh this is embarrassing but all of them are fantastic movies yeah, like they're, they're so all like good so good so like damon chazelle with with uh babylon is such a great movie um and I posted um, about it on Terror Detective. I know it's not a horror movie, but uh-huh. I was like, I'm posting about this movie because it's more it's it's enough of like an exploitation, shock exploitation yeah. flick that it actually does fit in there. And people mm. were like so happy about it. And <laughs> either people had already seen it and they loved it or people were like, I have never even heard of this. How right. have I not heard of this with this cast? And I'm like, exactly. Like, yeah, just... it had some of the worst marketing of any film that I've seen in recent history. That was a huge problem. And then Robert Eggers with The Norseman. Mm. It's like yeah. one of the best movies ever, and that failed miserably. And then Ari Aster with... Um, um, oh, right, 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 right. Uh, and I haven't actually seen that one, so I don't know. It's not... Uh, I, I love... Ari Aster's movies I think mm-hmm. you know obviously Hereditary and Midsummer are like kind of perfect movies yeah I wouldn't Bo say this Bo is not afraid yeah I wouldn't say Bo is not afraid is like perfect but it's definitely interesting the the visuals are just like on point the first movie you wanted us to go see was Dream Scenario which was uh-huh. yeah, produced yeah. by Ari Aster and right. and the, uh, the actor who's in it Nick Cage. Nick Cage, yeah. And I was just reading about it. It sounds really fucking cool. No, the it's one of those where I saw the trailer. I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah, like, this is this is a perfect Nick Cage movie, and like one of those that that Hollywood like studios would never finance, but they right. They I mean, would. it reminds me of like the the golden age of like just weird oddity movies in the late '90s, early 2000s, where it's like. Being John Malkovich. Dancer in the Dark. Uh, Philip Kaufman. Like, mm-hmm. Philip Kaufman and Spike Jones movies and, like, that kind of, like, where they're coming off of, you know, directing music videos on MTV. Yeah. And so, like, there's a bunch of directors that are really visually interesting and then also just kind of off-the-wall, high-concept writers that are really good at it. Like, it's been, you know, they're, they're few and far between now, but, like, that uh, dream scenario looks really good. So, yeah, I mean, there's other stuff that I wrote down here as far as, like, points to hit on, which is more just specifics of the conversations they're having. There is one mm-hmm. thing I do want to touch on before we kind of, like, wrap up the combo. They go back to Tori's house. They're going to finally bang. 
Uh, <laughs> but before that happens, there is this kind of like brief uh, bit about, I guess, original horror movies versus the sequels, which again, as I feel like more the director just kind of like directly talking to the audience. <laughs> um, specifically what she talks about is, and I'm going to ask you your opinion on these or <laughs> if you've even seen them. Cause I, you may not have. Um, I only recently saw Book of Shadows, the sequel to uh, Blair Witch, mm-hmm. and it actually it is decent. Like it's it's not a bad movie. I wouldn't say it's like anywhere near as good as the original. But have you seen Book of Shadows? Um, I remember that being hot, hot trash. Oh really? <laughs> like okay. I remember absolutely hating that movie, but also. I was going into it as a huge fan of the Blair Witch project and, mm-hmm. you know, expect well, it felt like a movie that had zero relationship to Blair Witch and then just got rebranded. And that's fair. I mean, honestly, if I had seen it at the time it was released, I probably would have hated it too. And I didn't, and that's why I didn't go see it because mm-hmm. I had a feeling that we're going to fucking ruin it. But I don't know, seeing it like years later and kind of treating it as its own thing it is it's fine it's not terrible yeah i mean it'd be interesting to go back to to watch it now from what i remember like i remember we we hated it and that was an experience though seeing the first one in the theater oh yeah yeah we talked about that at length on on that episode of just like i saw the sci-fi channel kind of uh preamble the advertising the advertising and marketing was like amazing yeah, it was groundbreaking. Yeah. Like, a very important film for the genre, I think, um, and holds a big place in my heart. So, like, anyone else that, like, comes out and tries to do it again. It's the same thing with Exorcist. It's like, yeah, why why try to make another Exorcist movie when you have The Exorcist? You know? It's like, you're not going to do better. Yeah. And Have you seen the new one? I haven't. I'm I'm kind of... I'm I'm lo- I want to see it. Um I'm not expecting much. I we just reviewed um The Exorcist 2, right, which is bonkers. Um It is crazy. Has one of my like now one of my favorite terrible scenes, which is the scene with the they're going under the hypnosis and then the doctor's like, "Okay, uh, you need to lead me down. And so all of a sudden Linda Blair is like hypnotizing the doctor and you're like, wait a minute, has she had training in this? And then all of a sudden, like the priest is like, I'm going in, I got to save the doctor. And you're like, what, <laughs> what world or what logic does this exist where everyone knows how to use this brand new technology that, right. you know, is like, it, that was the writing and, and, plot of that is crazy but a lot of like interesting elements it was an interesting watch but right as far as like a sequel to the exorcist it was like how did this happen and then you see the Exorcist three and you're like well yeah do that like uh, oh, use, so good use yeah i mean so honestly i'm not gonna say it's better because i'm sorry like the the original <laughs> exorcist is the original exorcist there's, right. you're, there's no way you're gonna convince me that legion is better but it's so good it is right. so I watched it recently after not having seen it for like a decade or maybe even longer. I hadn't seen it since I was like a kid and I was legit like bothered and disturbed. It really got to me and it's so visually strong. Like, yeah. Oh my God. There's so many things to talk about with that film. It's so good. No, it's, I mean, and it's my favorite horror movie. Like I, 
I will argue that it's the best horror movie ever made. It's just so great. And I watched it this last October. And yeah, again, it holds up completely. Like it doesn't, it hasn't lost anything for me. It still is really, really powerful. It's really, really like visually interesting. And like, um, yeah, it's an amazing movie. So yeah, I mean, I was talking then, about Legion, by the way. Sorry. Oh, Legion. Sorry. I mean, I've seen Exorcist. I, I, feel like I see it more regularly um, mm. just because you can never really go wrong with that film. Right. Um, but no, it had been like a really long time since I saw part three. Oh yeah. Exorcist three. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I think I watched that last year or something, but that one, what makes it work is like they focus on the stuff that works with the exorcist, but don't try to remake the exorcist, which is yeah. like focus on realism, humanity, like interpersonal stories, relationships, and then have kind of a crazy slow burn mystery happening with like pure evil. And yeah. It's interesting. And it feels like, like pure evil. That's a hard thing to achieve when you're making a movie, like to actually yeah. make someone feel like you're watching a demonic presence. Yeah. We talked about it on another episode that's probably come out by now, which is the Pope's exorcist, where it's like all these exorcism movies post the exorcist. It's like, you know what you can't they don't go hard enough it doesn't feel like pure evil because you don't have like a pure innocent person feel like they're being preyed upon there's not this imbalance of power just like i I don't know I, i can talk about that forever but um this one features a Santa robot that kills people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right. all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's just let's just focus on this completely. We're going to wrap this up. All right. right. They finally have sex. Woohoo! Um, this scene, I I don't know about you. Uh, this scene was very distracting for me. Like, if you're going to have a sex scene in a movie, like. You don't want them like gotta, cutting back and forth? Is that what you, you mean? You got So here's the thing. What they're trying to portray is this woman uh, getting her pussy eaten by this guy. The whole time, they're showing her panties still on, like yeah. on camera. And you're like, and then his head, like, in her thorax, you know, <laughs> like whenever it cuts, cuts back, his, like, hair is right above her tits. <laughs> Or like right below her tits, and it's like, that's. I'm like, what are you? <laughs> her thorax. Like, and then you realize you realize like the, the techniques of like you know kind of the when you're shooting a sex scene where you're not really showing anything, you're showing someone's face moaning, and you're showing like, just a close up on a thigh or something. You're like, yeah, you know why they have to do that? Because if you show someone very obviously not having sex and trying to make people think that they're having sex. You're like, what Yeah. are you doing? It's like, so somehow this guy gives her cunnilingus without taking her panties off and she comes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Weird choice, but uh, sure. I mean, all you got to do is just like put the sheet over the guy's head. Don't show, you know, that part and this is when like the killing starts is during Uh this sex scene and that's kind of like a recurring i feel like there is this kind of weird connection going on between sex and death in the movie Mm -hmm. because i mean santa claus is basically trying to like penetrate her right with his axe or whatever Mm -hmm. and that seems to be like one of the themes i guess of slashers is this whole idea of 
Yeah, like replacing a penis with some murder weapon. Right, right. It's uh, yeah, it's not groundbreaking stuff to have uh, exploitative sex next to exploitative violence. Right. Well, and um, also it's like the morality thing too, right? Like. Right. Yeah, it's taboo. It's uh, foreboding. Um, it's the reason to kill them all. Right. Right. And everyone knows, like, we're just, I mean, secretly, we're all just wanting to either fuck or kill each other at any given moment. I mean, like, that's what we really want to be doing. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense. Stop looking at me like that, Bryce. <laughs> Question is, which? <laughs> Very true. So, not the biggest fan of the sex scene. Fair enough. I was kind of ambivalent about it, but... Yeah, the killing starts, and what did you think of the actual kills? Yeah, some of them were great. Like, it when it gets to kind of the, the hardcore gore stuff, like, it's it's that great line of, like, we don't care if it looks super realistic. Yeah. Like, if you're going to see a head stomp, you just want to see, you know, a special effect of a head stomp and just enjoy it for, like, <laughs> that's fun. Exactly. So, like, yeah. The head stomp's great, like, the the chop where it just, like, completely um, halves people. There's a couple of those going on. Yeah. The killing starts in the toy store because mm-hmm. her friends, he's he's doing her doggy style, and yeah. he gets axed down the middle. Was he? Would you still be inside, the, <laughs> like, half of your body hanging off of your, I guess you would, right? I don't know why I'm thinking about the logistics of this, but mm-hmm. yes, that was the first technical kill. Pretty good. Um, the other like hardcore one was like when the when the guy that just fucked her gets killed, which was kind of a surprising kill in the yeah. movie because he's like basically the other main character. Yeah, and that was another like you know kind of head explosion and lots of head trauma. Yeah, and this movie is definitely one of those where it's like. The moral of the story is believe women, you know? Hashtag believe women. Yeah, because everyone that she tries to warn that a killer Santa's out is like, okay, bitch, out of the way. I've got it handled, and then immediately they get murdered. I do feel like it would be the way it would go, maybe, though. Like, when she when she finally gets out of her house after everyone is basically killed except for her and Robbie and the cops show up, like, the way they treat her is just terrible from the jump they're like cuffing her but but i guess that is what would happen though right like if you're a police officer and you see some like strange ass woman come up covered in blood Mm -hmm. and there's a possibility that your partner just got like killed yeah you would probably assume that she did it right i mean yeah i mean there's yeah there's a certain part of it where it's like yeah cops would react that way there's a part where when the first cop shows up, he's with her in the car, and then he gets yanked out of the glass by Santa and thrown onto the ground. I, I guess he shoots Santa from behind, mm-hmm. and Tori is saying, cut off his fucking head, which she's absolutely right. Like, that is what you would do if you wanted to have, like, a 100% success rate in beating Santa. But then she has an opportunity to do it herself, and she doesn't do it, and it's just kind of like, all right, well... You know, obviously we need to, like, keep this going for a little bit longer. As we got really towards the end, there were so many, like, he's dead. He's not dead. He's dead. Mm -hmm. He's not that I was like, just die already. Just die. 
Yeah, the the thing that makes it interesting at the end is the Terminator yeah. homage of like he eventually just turns into a robot skeleton kind of thing um, mm-hmm. where it gets more and more janky, which is just fun yeah. to watch oh, like, I with love the that. laser eyes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that that makes it interesting. But yeah, I agree. It was between the killing of the neighbors to like him basically the Santa being blown up. There's a lot of like, oh, we're safe. No, we're not safe. Yeah. Oh, we're safe again. We got him. Nope, he's still alive. Like, there's about five of those where you're like, okay, we get it. But it's, there's not a lot of notes you can play in that tune, you know, when you are when you have a Robo Santa movie. Apparently, this whole thing started off uh, with the director. He was supposed to be doing a remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I mean, in terms of, like, horror movies, The Exorcist, still number one, and, like, honestly, really top five, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Play, holds like a really special place in my heart it's funny like it hits yeah. all the notes that you need a movie like that to hit right yeah and also it's like a trend setter like it's not the first movie to do the killer santa thing but it is the first mm-hmm. movie to do it in the way that it does it and kind of create mm-hmm. its own genre have you looked at i'm sure you've read all about it right like how mm-hmm. how it was taken out yeah, of theaters. yeah 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 and be- all that helped it to like become this cult phenomenon yeah it's like a it's definitely like a top level cult classic but it literally was beating friday or not uh nightmare on elm Street. street on the first week like it could have been huge a huge like genre hit which is ironic it's like no this is too bad we can't show santa killing children that's gonna scar children too much it's so weird but this one where it's a pedophile that haunts their dreams and can kill them whenever they sleep that's fine that's fine <laughs> right keep that one i guess it's the fact that it's taking a very specific traditional holiday symbol and yeah demonizing it but you know like right it's all fiction anyway but yeah and the kids shouldn't be seen Silent Night, Deadly Night, either way. I think it's mostly about the marketing where, you know, you see a chimney with a bloody Santa hand crawling out of it. It's like, yeah, that's going to scar some children. It was shown <laughs> during, like, Super Bowl weekend, so tons of American households ended up seeing those right. ads. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, it was like, yeah, it's a really good ad, now that I'm thinking about it, with, like, the creepy music and the nutcrackers and... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's been a while since we've gotten anything that, like, impactful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't compete with, like, the 80s broadcast television pre-cable. I mean, that was probably pre-cable era. I know HBO existed, but I don't... Yeah, not a lot of people had cable back then. So it's like, you're talking about, you know, the eight broadcast channels had every human eye on it in America cultural phenomena could happen a lot easier back then final final recommendations who would like this i mean obviously Um, anyone who likes holiday horror right right holiday it's a good entry into the holiday horror um genre it's fun it's if you like kind of kitschy kind of over the top um exploitative movies like it's very much like like you mentioned like in the vein of of chopping mall it's yeah. just good fun. Like, you know, grindhouse exploitation, like intentional aesthetic. If you like 80s yeah. horror movies, you'll probably like this. Another one that it reminded me of is is Mandy. Uh, Mandy's kind of a similar, Look-wise, very strong aesthetic yeah. and gore, you know, over the top. 
violence. Yeah, I, it's pretty good. I liked it. It's fun for what it is. It seems like a movie that like you know happened because it could happen. Is it going <laughs> to be like something that people are talking about for years to come? No, but you know whatever. You could do worse if you are just in the mood to see like a frivolous killer mm-hmm. Santa thing. All right, Coolio. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks again to our patrons uh, for giving us your money. Uh, please share the podcast with a friend um, and leave those reviews on Apple Podcasts if you can. We need to get up in that algo, um, and it can only happen if you're feeling engaged and tell people that it's good. Um, Call 682-253-4468 to leave a voicemail, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Toodles. Good day, sir.